Pittsburgh Steel fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steel's War Room. I'm your host of this weekly show, Matt Peverell, the host of the show that puts you in the minds of Kevin Colbert, Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin, and, and the rest of the Steel's front office as they look to put together a winning roster both in 2021 uh, and beyond. And, and look, we really were there. We're at the, t- the winning record. Um, that's not in jeopardy now, which is fantastic. Uh, but, you know, can they get up over Baltimore? Can a miracle happen against the Colts? And can the Steelers somehow end up in the playoffs? For some fans, it won't really matter. Big Ben got his awesome send-off, uh, you know, on Monday evening in the US. And, you know, who better than that over the Cleveland Browns, 26-14. I had 31-16 if the defense got a score, so I was pretty close um, from that perspective. But, look, fantastic wasn't the most prettiest performance on offense. Didn't matter. The defense had a beautiful nine sacks. And here we are, Big Ben, final send-off. It's kind of hard to believe, uh, really, in, in many ways. Uh, some Steelers fans probably sitting there saying it, you know, should have happened seasons ago. Uh, but regardless, you, you know, Big Ben deserved to go out the way he went out. He deserved to go out with a win. He deserved to go out on his own terms. Uh, and, you know, where he's going to be sorely missed in Pittsburgh. And even I found it a lot more um, saddening uh, myself than what I'd expected. Uh, one thing I should say as well is I just got off the, off holding for six hours to try and get hold of the local delivery partner for NFLshop.com. So if you're an international fan and you're ordering with NFLshop.com, I'd be very careful about ordering with NFLshop.com because one, they lose your package and two, uh, they sort of take no responsibility for it. So I've been trying to chase it up. That's right. Six hours, uh, BTC listeners. I was on the phone. I was number one next in the queue and it hung up on me. Call them back, get told to email. Six hours I was on hold. So I'm actually recording this very late in the evening because I had everything ready to go, uh, you know, and I was sitting on hold and I thought it would only be an hour. And then I sort of went on for six hours and I knew that, you know, odds were as soon as I'm going to start the podcast, this this would get in there and it'd interrupt my flow. So I'm a little bit salty. Um, I had some... I have some challenging takes uh, in this podcast that I'm going to issue. Uh, and um, probably there's a bit of extra salt and spice. Let's just say that um, being put on these. So what have I got for you in today's show? Of course, we'll look at the rookie performances from the game against Cleveland. Uh, we'll preview some of the, the Baltimore rookies. I'm not going to go through every single one. I'm going to go through the guys that have made contributions um, and that aren't on IR. Um, no point in covering those IR guys. I'm going to do a bit of a recap on some of the players we've, the, we've you know, draft prospects uh, for next year. For, well, it's now this year for the 2022 draft that we've I've looked at so far um, since about August last year, so that you can just go back if there's anyone there that piques your interest and find out who they were. And then I think, you know, I want to give a quick, I'll have a little look about at a few other sort of different things relating to the cap. Um, because obviously for those long-time listeners, this started out as cap room, um, not still as war room. And then we moved into war room as it got closer to the draft, uh, you know, and a few of my other colleagues did a bit around the cap. Um, so that wasn't something so deeply unique to this show, but it's something that is a heavy focus of this show. And that's not going to change once the season's over, it'll be free agency cap and draft as well. And so, one, I say one of the things we're going to look at is the Steelers, some cap information um, there. But look, let's crack into it. Uh, keen to get in. That's a bit of an opening rant from me there. But, you know, overall, really, really happy that Ben got the win. Uh, so, so, look, 
Interesting as say performance. We talked a little about it there. 26-14, uh, rookies and impact. Obviously, the first thing to say is Kendrick Green. Uh, and I'm going to we'll talk a little bit about him in a moment. But uh, you know, Kendrick Green obviously, you know, sat on the sidelines. He was pretty much injured. They brought him back for depth, you know, they had him available. Um, but it was clear and JC has now is doing a great job. I'm not going to sit there and dispute that. Um, so that's the first lineman we want to cover off. The next lineman I want to cover off really is Dan Moore Jr., obviously playing 100% of the snaps. Um, again, their terrific, you know, season, I think, for him. And when I use the word terrific, you might be sitting there going, huh? But it is a terrific season for him. He was a fourth-round draft pick, expected to be sit for a year, hopefully, maybe be a depth piece. And he started, you know, a bunch of games for the Steelers. I think it's now, if it's not every game, it's definitely 15 games for them. Um, I'm just going to pull that up while we're talking here. And... Yeah, so 16 games, he started all 16 games so far. That's incredible from a rookie. And that's a lens, you know, I talked last week, for those that might have missed the show or for those, you know, it's been a big week. I talked a lot about the snap counts the Steelers have expected uh, from their rookies. The fact of the matter is too, and I've seen it a lot in the criticism from some of the rookies um, over the last couple of weeks. You have to remember, they do not play. Most of them play 13, 14 games maybe. Uh, in college a season. They're spread out. There's gaps of a couple of weeks. Bowl games happen three weeks later, and that's included. It's very different to every single week of the NFL. At the NFL level, with only one week, uh, you know, gap um, there with the bye, and usually they've all got a lot more niggling injuries than they might have had in college too. So I want you to keep that in mind when, we, when you're just thinking in this offseason how well a rookie did. Just think about that. Um, and think about whatever job you've had. You know, there are going to be some jobs you figure it out in the first month, and there are going to be other jobs that take you a year, maybe longer. Same thing applies to a rookie. Just because they're playing a professional sport doesn't mean they've got it from the get-go, um, all down pat. Anyway, that being said, Najee Harris, 28 rushing attempts for 188 yards, incredible performance on the day. Um, it was an average of 6.1 there. Uh, one touchdown, a long run of 37. So Marky D, my co-host of Steelers, touchdown under, uh, almost got his Christmas wish of a 40-plus yard run before the end of the season. Three targets, three receptions, 18 yards, a long of 13 on the day um, on the receiving side. Incredible. I mean, you got to look at Najee Harris. Najee Harris, no fumbles and touch wood that he doesn't get one this week against Baltimore, but no fumbles on the season. Uh, 296 rushes for 1,172 yards, 61 first downs, um, yards before contact, five um, 116 yards after contact, 656. Um, you know, it's it's just incredible it, what he's done so far. He's he averages a broken tackle every 10 um, attempts, which which is crazy. Uh, there he's had 90 targets for 70 receptions on the season, 441 440 yards. Sorry, 21st downs as well. Uh, 16 broken tackles. He's only dropped seven passes on the season. That gives him a drop rate of less than 7.8%, allows a quarterback rating of 98. I mean, that, that's an incredible number. He's played 86% of the um, offensive snaps on the season so far. Again, incredible um, from that perspective for him. I mean, 
averaging four yards in the season. He certainly picked that up. You know, this week's game helped. He's caught 78% of his passes as well, 366 touches, average yards per touch 4.4, which is incredible when you think it's where this O-line has gone in some of the games. Um, and he's top five in the league for yards from scrimmage uh, with 612. I think Jonathan Taylor is now over 2,000, but he's having an incredible year as well, um, behind a really good O-line, and it's his second year in the league. Now, for some perspective as well, we've got one game to go, right? And obviously, Lav Bell, um, you know, played in a 16-game season, and he only played 13 games as a rookie. But Lav Bell is a rookie in his year. Um, you know, had 860 yards, 244 rush attempts, so 50 less than Najee, um, almost 400 yards different, eight TDs, um, you know, average 66.2 yards a game uh, compared to Najee, uh, who averages 73.3. Lav Bell said 45 receptions for 399 yards, zero TDs in 2014. Uh, you know, and that was when he made an all-team, he was the first-team all-pro, uh, 290-yard rush yards, so, sorry, rush attempts. So that's six less than what late, uh, what Najee had this year. Obviously, much better offensive line, really, you know, in comparing apples with apples in a way. A um, little bit different, different, you know, different, uh, you know, style of play as well. Um, but 1,360 yards, eight TDs, averaging 85 yards per game. And 105 targets, 83 receptions for 854 yards. They gave him a total yards from scrimmage of 2,215. You know, Najee, it's an incredible, you know, I, I, you know, I suggest you go back and have a look at the numbers, uh, you know, for Lav Bell in his second, third, fourth, and fifth year. And you'll see Najee's right up there. Um, you know, in, in terms of what he was able to do, you know, in terms of that. And he's had a better start than Lavion Bell behind a very different O-line. So Steel's fans should be thrilled with Najee. I don't think there's too many people that would be critical of Najee either um, from that perspective in terms of his production. But I just wanted to highlight that. Uh, the next player that I want to just highlight, Pat Freemuth, six targets, five receptions, 22 yards. Uh, long and 12 on the day. Wasn't a sort of game where the offense, you know, was doing terrifically well. We know that through Ben's 123 yards of 24 out of 26 um, completions. Uh, and, you know, there in a quarterback rating of like 56. Uh, but Pat Freeman continues to show his abilities. He did, I thought he did tremendous in blocking. There's a lot of big runs from Najee and he and Gentry are doing great from a blocking perspective. Gentry had a great game as well, I thought, from that perspective. Um, you know, so that covers off some of the difference makers um, offensively there. Uh, Trey Norwood, key interception. Uh, from the seventh round draft pick at the end of the game to give Ben a chance for victory formation. That interception means so much more uh, to a lot of the Steelers plays and certainly to Big Ben than just one interception. Had three tackles on the day as well. Uh, Derek, uh, uh, you know, reserve outside linebacker, one quarterback hit. He had a sack on the day, a tackle for a loss. Um, so terrific performance from him uh, from that perspective. Isaiah Loudermilk, had one pass defense on the day, two tackles. He played really well. I think he got the start, if my memory serves me correctly, too. So awesome performance from him um, as a rookie. Obviously, we had no uh, Presley Harbin, uh, the third, who continues to mourn the loss of his father. And, you know, that's completely understandable. Of course, Waitman had a really good game, I thought, again, in his absence. Five punts, 244 yards, average of 48.8. Um, different sorts of field positions for them, along with 53 on the day. But I think... He's showing some consistency there. Um, so, you know, challenge for big press going into year two. Big challenge there. Uh, and then 
as I say, like, I just, I think this game is about, well, it's all about Big Ben, but, you know, how Najee helped him to get there. And I really like the poeticness of Big Ben saying, you know, he helped an age-old running back have a, you know, win a really important game at the end of his career in Jerome Bettis. That was a Super Bowl. Naj, um, as he likes to call him, has done the same thing uh, this week and helped Ben get his last home game and, you know, turn it into a win. And who knows? Let's see what they can combine with this week. Uh, to get over the Baltimore Ravens and you know give the Steelers a two percent chance, I think the pundits are saying uh, on making the playoffs. There, uh, I talked about the snaps, you know, in terms of who got what from that perspective. But Isaiah Loudermilk, sixty-three percent of snaps on defense. Uh, Derek had twenty-three percent uh, there from that perspective. Trey Norwood, twenty-three percent. Uh, on the defensive snaps, they said Dan Moore earlier, 100%. Uh, Najee, 96%. Uh, Pat Freemuth, 77%. So they're the key snap numbers uh, from the rookies there. I mean, of course, um, sorry, not course. Sorry. I mean, Cody White had 32% on special teams. That's worth you know worth noting. Uh, Christian Kunins, I haven't really covered him um, throughout the season, but technically he's actually a rookie from my understanding in terms of games and starts and what have you. So, you know, that's one I've kept him to one side given he's only really taking the field as the long snapper. Uh, but that that gives you a sense of where we are, you know, from the Pittsburgh Steelers side of things. So before we go to a break, and now that I've, you know, reviewed the performances from the weekend, I just wanted to give a shout out to Behind the Steel Curtain. Uh, that's the network we're a part of. We're on the podcast side. We're on everything across Spotify, um, Anchor, Stitcher, Patreon, I think we're on. Obviously, Apple iTunes, I think that's where the majority of our audience um, or listeners get downloaded their shows from. I, myself, and I know Jeff Hartman, our senior editor, is as well. We're Spotify. We're Steelers BTSC or Steelers Spotify listeners. Um, and now you can give us a rating on that. So, hey, go give us a rating if you haven't yet. I think we've already broken the 100 mark. It's only been up for a couple of days, I think, the, the rating system. So please go ahead and give us a rating. We'd love it. Um, helps us understand what people are loving, what they're not. Uh, maybe you already listened to this on Spotify, so it's an easy click over for you as well. But don't stop listening to the show, of course. The other thing, of course, is BehindSteelCurtain.com. So we like to plug this a little bit. Uh, that's obviously how Behind the Steel Curtain comes to everyone. Uh, it was born um, out of SB Nation's online sites and and really, you know, we've found that some fans listen, found us via YouTube or found us via the audio side and don't really go on the site. And not every article is for everyone. The articles there uh, range everything from a casual fan all the way through to the, the Nerds of Steel, the Dave Schofield, you know, nerd-led Nerds of Steel, the, the stat geeks, uh, you know, the people that are keen on reading scheme and plays. And you've got that from KT Smith and Jeffrey Benedict. We've got draft stuff from Andrew Wilbar and Deputy Michael Beck. We've got funny and hilarious pop culture references and crazy stories and spins and takes um, with Brian Anthony Davis. Tony Duffio is always great articles that, you know, you just sit there and, you know, he's got the sarcasm, the cynicism, uh, but you've got to try and see the humor in it. You, know, you don't have to agree with all of it, uh, but you've got to start trying to see the humor in it. Uh, Shannon White, always really, um, really potently good content that he's putting out there. And, and I, well, I would call it like Steelers thought leadership, um, you know, if you like. So, you know, I've, I've probably missed a couple of people as well uh, amongst my colleagues, but, you know, just an awesome, awesome platform that we've got there, um, at, you know, behind the steel curtain.com. And as we like to say, it's not just your one-stop shop. It's your non-stop shop for Pittsburgh Steelers content. Everything's up there. It's up there as early as the major sites. It's up there wherever you are in the world. 
Uh, it needs to be the stills of the world's team, as Big Ben, you know, said uh, after well, prior to the Dallas game when asked about what he felt about Dallas Cowboys being America's team. And, you know, we're here to serve that content. The other thing as well is, you know, you're always willing, you know, willing, or I hope you're willing, but you're always welcome to send me questions. Um, Aussie Steeler 91 at gmail.com. That's A-U-S-S-I-E Steeler 91, all lowercase for all those letters uh, at gmail.com. I met a couple of Australian fans uh, at the game, you know, when we're watching the game in a sports bar this week. I think they were going to try and check us out. So I hope if they are, you're enjoying the show, hit me up on email. I forgot to get your contact details, um, you know, to catch up with you guys for another game. Uh, But that was a great experience to walk into my local, you know, sports bar, uh, you know, on a Tuesday of all things in Australia, technically the work year had started and see a couple of Steelers fans sitting there in their color rush and their Ben Roethlisberger jerseys, uh, you know, and it was, it was great to enjoy a few beverages uh, in the game with them and and to enjoy it with my fiance too, uh, you know, just, you know, She's a big Steelers fan like me. And, you know, we've been over to a game and, you know, able to really feel that experience and, and really understand what it was like um, through the TV uh, or the big screen for us at Heinz Field. But with that, we're going to go to a break. Join me for part two. We're obviously going to preview the Baltimore uh, rookies that might make an impact. Uh, we're going to pick out a couple of things to note um, about a couple of our rookies, have a look at the cap situation, uh, and then wrap things up for yet another week. Back on Steel's War Room. I'm your host of this weekly show, Matt Peverell, the host of the show that puts you in the minds of Kevin Colbert, Mike Tomlin, Omar Khan, the rest of the Steel's front office is they look to put together a winning roster in 2021 and beyond. Right. Well, in th- thinking from that perspective, you know, the Baltimore Ravens, you know, they are a divisional rival for us. Uh, I think the Browns have become the hated rival in the last few years, but the Browns, are, uh, the, the Browns, I was going to say the Browns that we have some respect for. We don't have respect for them. Um, respect that they're a divisional opponent and NFL team, and that's about it. But we, there is, I think, a lot of, uh, you know, respect for the Baltimore Ravens, um, you know, and what they do. We don't have to like it. We don't have to like Wayne Harbs, their coach, but we can appreciate what they're able to do in the draft. It's very different, uh, you know, from what Steelers do at times. They, you know, look for multiple picks, they trade back, they get multiple guys um, from that perspective and try to get multiple contributors and try and find value. And every team tries to find value. And Steelers are very good at it. But, you know, the Baltimore Ravens seem to hit on a lot of their picks uh, and people can sit there and argue with me and throw up different names. But if you look over the last couple of years, they've, had, they've definitely tried their hand at some of the more um, exciting players coming out of college. So first player I wanted to review uh, is a player out of UCLA, uh, SMU, Brandon Stevens, six foot one, cornerback, 215 pounds. He's a big bopper um, from that perspective for the cornerback position. Uh, drafted in the third round, 104th overall. Um, came out of high school in Texas. Uh, he's played... 
you know, a season high of 100% of the snaps in five games a season, a season low in week one of, of sorry, in week six of 23%. Plays on special teams as well. Um, from that perspective, he's position number 21. So he's played 67% um, of the defensive snaps on the season in total and 47% of special team snaps. So he's definitely a key contributor there. Um, he's 24 as well. He's allowed 30 completions on 38 targets, which is almost 80% completion rate, 78.9%. For 381 yards, yards per completion is 12.7. Uh, he's allowed three TDs and a quarterback rating of 134.8. Did Ben target this guy uh, or whichever receiver's on him if he's on the field? Um, he's missed 6.5% of his tackles, so he's got over 72 combined tackles, missed only five. He's got one quarterback knockdown, one quarterback pressure. He's only been on 23 blitzes for the season so far as well. Um, but that gives you a good summation and three pass defense, I should say, too. Uh, yet to have an INT on the season, but touch wood, that doesn't happen in this game. Uh, you know, can we can we keep this guy out from having an exception across 17 games? Uh, he's played in 16, started 10. Next player I wanted to look at is Ben Cleveland, who's contributed on their O-line. Uh, number 66 for them. Uh, started, played in three games, uh, sorry, Started three games, played in 11, 38% of the offensive snaps, uh, 15% of the special team snaps. Uh, had two penalties on the season, one for a false start, one for holding. From that perspective, he's six foot five, six foot six, sorry, 357 pounds, drafted in the, in the third round, 94th overall out of Georgia. Uh, he's someone that I think myself and Shannon White were interested in, if I recall correctly, through the draft process. Uh, he's played 100% of the snaps in weeks 15, 16, and 17 after playing no, and that's offensive snaps, after playing none uh, for four games straight prior to that, and then playing about half the snaps in weeks two, three, and four uh, from, from Ben Cleveland. You know, depending on their COVID list and Baltimore, he may be a key piece there. He's a key piece if there's an injury happen. He's a great depth piece for them. And as they look to continue to refresh their own line um, as well, he's someone you're going to see more of. So, Hey, we need a. The best thing we can see this week is Cam Haywood make embarrass this guy when he's on the field. Um, but you know he's a very you know promising player uh, that the, that the Steelers pass rushers have to deal with um, moving forward. Next, I want to look at is Tylen Wallace. Number 16, played 7% of the offensive snaps at 62% of the special team snaps. Uh, Tylen Wallace was drafted in the fourth round, 131st overall out of Oklahoma State. Uh, he's born four days different from me, funnily enough. 5'11", uh, 195 pounds there, played in 16 games. He's got two receptions on the season so far, 23 yards. That's an average of 11 and a half, no TDs. Why am I previewing him? Um, especially when he's only caught 40% of his balls um, thrown his way. He's had two touches on the season. You don't know um, what it's going to be in this game. You just don't know. Uh, and the thing, the other thing about this too is that you've got um, Huntley. There's rumors Lamar's trying to make it back. He's probably not, with considering how many they've got. A, they've got more scenarios that need to go their way than the Steelers, right? The they have to beat the Steelers. They need the Colts to win. They need the Chargers to beat the Raiders. And then there was one other game that they needed to be sorted as well. It's just, it, they're, they're no chance, um, you know, regardless of whether they can beat the Steelers or not. And, oh, no, I want Ben to go beat the Ravens at home at their home field, um, you know, but 
Needless to say, that doesn't mean that Tyler Wallace isn't going to get the ball. That doesn't mean they're not going to rest different guys. It doesn't mean other guys are going to be overcome by their niggling injuries. It doesn't mean that they're not going to, Harbaugh is not going to want to see what guys like Tyler Wallace have got um, going into year two. So, you know, look out for this guy, um, position number 16 or, or position wide receiver, you know, number 16. You never know the contribution that he might be making on game day. The next part I want to look at was Rashad Bateman, um, obviously their number one wide receiver uh, in terms of who they picked in the draft. He was their first round draft pick, um, 27th overall out of Minnesota, um, one of several wide receivers taken in the first round in last year's draft. Uh, has a season low catch rate of 50% in two games, a season high catch rate of 100%, um, where it was four balls um, from, from his perspective. He's played 66% of the offensive snaps, no special team snaps. He's, you know, number 12 for them. Uh, so it's 542 offensive snaps uh, on the season so far. He's been targeted 64 times from his four starts in, out of 11 games he's played. So he's been targeted 64 times, had 44 receptions, 493 yards, 28 first downs, uh, you know, yards um, per cap before catch per reception of 7.6. Um, Air average depths of target is nine yards. He's broken no tackles. He's had two drops, um, interceptions on passes when targeted three. Uh, that's pretty. That's pretty major. Um, and he only gives quarterbacks a rating of seventy-seven point one when he's targeted. So, you know, he's almost. You know, Najee's on track um, at the moment. He could have more yards, receiving yards than Rashad Bateman if Rashad Bateman does not much in this game. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, this week, but Rashad Bateman is someone look for a big year two from him. I think you'll have a much better um, season in year two. He averages uh, 44.8 yards in terms of for the games that he plays. He could be a really key target, particularly if, if it's Huntley, um, you know, and not Lamar Jackson. So that's Rashad Bateman there out of Minnesota, six foot two, 210 pounds. Then you've got a Dafe Owe. Um, as well. So he changed his name to Jason Oway, uh, you know, but he went back to his, you know, um, family, you know, the background, you know, the African name that he, you know, stems from his heritage, um, you know, 65% of the defensive snaps on the season, 1% of the special team snaps. He's number 99 outside linebacker for them, uh, played in 15 games or dressed for 15 games, started in two um, on the season. He's six foot five, 251 pounds out of Penn State uh, for anyone that's forgotten, but I think he was a pretty touted draft pick, uh, you know, there, He's allowed uh, three completions on the four tar- on f- four targets when um, targeted by the quarterback. So that's 75% for 39 yards and a quarterback rating of 105.2. Uh, he's blitzed 27 times. He's had 12 quarterback hurries, 10 knockdowns, five sacks, 27 pressures, 33 tackles. He's missed four, so that's over 10%. But five sacks is nothing to shy away from in your rookie year, um, You know, particularly when you get two starts. Uh, you know, their 27 pressures is pretty strong too. So, you know, he's going to be up and, you know, if he's a fit, I did see him potentially on a COVID list or an injury list, but he's fit to play. Look for him to, you know, make, try and make a mess of Big Ben's um, last away day. That was bad. Uh, next guy I wanted to look at there as well was uh, De- Darius Washington out of TCU, undrafted three games, weeks two, five, and 11. Uh, I'm not sure whether he's going to be injured or out. Um, 
with any situations, but I know that he was placed on IR for a while, so he might not be back. But I just want to mention him because I don't think we covered him um, last time when I did uh, Steelers Warren when we previewed um, the game. You know, the Steelers played them a few weeks back. So I just wanted to just mention him um, in case you see him uh, on the field if for whatever reason he's back or I've made a mistake there. He's number 29. The next point I wanted to cover was I want to go back to the rookie in Kendrick Green. Now, J.C. Howe played out of his skin this week. Don't dispute that. He was awful last year when the Steelers were 11-0 and they had to win games down the stretch. I'm not going to sit there and bag J.C. for having a great game. He had a great game. Ben got the win. Najee had his best performance on the season so far. But And it's come up in a few BTSC shows. So if you're an avid listening, you probably, you might have seen me in the live chat in the post-game show. You might have seen me in the live chat with the Scobros show. You might have heard the Scobros talk about it. I had a great chat with the Scobros about it after the touchdown under this week um, where Rich filled in for Marky D, who's out with a sore throat. I think he's going to be back this week with me. So stay tuned for that one. Um, but which, and obviously the show goes live in the US on a Saturday evening, comes out the next day um, on the audio side. JC had a great game. But I'll tell you what, I've listened to all the press conferences in the last 24, 48 hours to recording this podcast. KG, who, uh, how they like to refer to him, was mentioned by Big Ben, Najee Harris. Um, I haven't finished uh, JC Hasenhauer's one, but why would he really mention a player he's competing with? Uh, I think Cam Haywood might have covered him. Uh, Akello, I think, even covered him in the post-game press conference, potentially. But there's discussion about rookies and the discussion about offensive line. I want to point out a couple of things. I'm going to get into the specifics. I'm going to delve between block rates and all the rest of it. If you think JC House now with how bad he was, most people didn't want him on this team, myself included, right? There's a lot of us eating humble pie. It'd be great to see him back for year two. I still think he, or sorry, in 2022 to 20, 2023 season, I think he's a depth piece. Um, for them. He can't, you know, from that perspective. JC Hassenhauer can get it right after how many years he's been in the system. So can Kendrick Green. Now, I hear a lot of stuff about moving Kendrick Green to guard. I completely will follow Dave Schofield on this one. Apart from the fact I don't agree with it anyway, um, Dave Schofield says, if you can't do things at center, how is he going to do things at guard? The things that are problems at center outside of snapping are things that we problem at guard. That is things like he's got kind of short arms. That is, you know, he's having to do a lot. He's having the speed of the game. Um, I think there's times Kendrick Green has to do much, and that's his problem. Um, people talk about in college, oh, he didn't play center. He didn't play center because they had a guy called Doug Kramer who couldn't play guard. So instead, Kendrick Green then ends up playing guard. Now, the whole point being is too, is that yes, Kendrick Green was a defensive tackle when he started at Illinois. Then he got moved over due to injuries and you know other focuses. But the guy is incredibly athletic. He had a 40-yard time of 4.88, incredible for a center. He talked about wanting to be, you know, a, a pouncy type um, as he was coming through. He asked why he asked for 53. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of pressure. And, you know, Brian Anthony Davis talked about, you know, picking that number, um, you know, in a few of the shows this week. I think it was in the hangover, you know, and what that would mean. Put the number aside. Uh, that's a number that's not being retired. But Kendrick Green, if, as, I, as I was saying before, if you think JC played a terrific game, how long has it taken for JC to play a terrific game? years, right? Kendrick Green has not been terrible all season. And it's not just because I like previewed him in the draft or what have you. He has a chance to really develop. And as I say, moving into guard is not going to help. The other thing to remember is the Steelers like to pull their center 
Most teams don't ask them to do that. That that's a big deal. Um, you know, in terms of what's expected. Obviously, they've got to snap the ball. And also the Steelers, you know, make sure that, and this is not the only team to do this, but the center has to call out often the, the defensive scheme or the, the Mike linebacker. That's a lot of pressure on a rookie center. Now, he wasn't meant to play games this season. I'm not pretending he wasn't, but he wasn't meant to play every game. That's why they brought in Finney. That's why they brought back Hassenhauer. You know, they thought DeCastro um, was going to be there. Now, obviously, they brought in Trey Turner after that. They could have brought Turner in before that, um, you know, and they could have looked at putting someone else in that center role, uh, a more experienced lineman uh, as well. They were never going to be able to afford a guy in the cap room, in the cap situation they were under, like, you know, Corey Lindsley. You know, they weren't going to be able to afford one of the top other centers. Steelers did really well. You think about how well or how much how much big contributor uh, Pat Freemuth and Najee Harris, particularly Najee, are going to be over the next few years. They've got someone who could still do it for the Steelers. So I, I just think we've got to be a bit more patient with this guy. Give him a full offseason. I completely agree. He's got to get bigger in the weight room. He's got to improve his snaps. Also, he's had a coach that at the offensive line is not that great. I mean, they let Clem go. Um, Chris Morgan could be different. He could stay. You saw the impact that made by getting other people um, into that that room. And I think you saw really great blocking uh, from, you know, Gentry and Freemuth. And I would say that some of that really was to do with being in that room. I think being in that O-line room helps them out, knowing those schemes better. Um, you know, so that's a really, really key thing uh, for me with Kendrick Green. The other thing about Kendrick Green is he actually had a really good college season. You know, and now he's learning to adjust. He really had a good college college season. In 2020, he allowed zero sacks and only six pressures um, in eight games, according to you know PFF, uh, who do a lot of the college stats. Um, you know, he was voted a first team All Conference and a second team All American. Uh, you know, according to Sports Info Solutions, he uh, had zero sacks allowed, five blown blocks, two runs through passes, and two holds. In 33 starts in three seasons in the offensive line, um, Sports Info Solutions or SIS blamed him only for four sacks and 20 blown blocks. And I know that's been very different at the NFL level um, as a result with Kendrick Green. I know he's been penalized a heap. Give this guy a chance. Give this guy some time. There's other instabilities on that O-line. Uh, you know, if he was the only, you know, rookie or he is the only, um, you know, depth piece going into the season that you would see on that O-line, maybe, okay, maybe you, you sit there and you go, well, it's only him. Give him a chance to improve. This guy can do something. Yes, you know, he may well only turn out to be a backup, but you've got to give the guy some time, um, Steel Nation. One game from JC does not mean, and I said this on the shows, it's not the second coming of Demonte Dawson. Give this guy a chance to get an off season. Give this guy a chance to get bigger. Give him a chance to learn how to snap the ball. Uh, yes, it's going to have to be better. Get get him a chance to get under the scheme better. Get him a chance to understand um, and learn from the other guys. He knows what's required now of, of NFL offensive linemen. Uh, get him a chance to get accustomed to a new coach or Chris Morgan. I think uh, my guts is because we end up giving Chris Morgan at least a season or two, you know, now at the offensive line job. Um, and you really get him in there. We want continuity. This team has been shaken up so much. It will be shaken up so much again this year and next. If we can give a guy some time to get a bit of continuity, it's going to really help things. Um, I agree. He's going to have to step it up in year two. But don't count out KG yet. And as I said, I've listened to the press conferences. Najee's referring to him. Ben was referring to him. I'm not going to refer to someone the way they were in a positive light if that person's, you know, 
not actually got a bright future ahead of them. And Kendrick Green does. Um, you know, he's very raw, uh, but he's got a full season of NFL experience under his belt. So I just want to say, you know, give the rookie a chance. Give the rookie a chance um, there. Also, side note, Doug Kramer, that center is actually coming out um, from college this year as well in the upcoming NFL draft. A couple of quick things I also wanted to cover off was really around uh, the Steelers' salary cap. The Steelers is currently, currently um, going to have about $42 million um, available there, 42.899, so $42.9 million there. Um, they've only got dead money of about $2.5 million. Yes, there's some voidable contracts on the roster, so what's designated is a dead money versus avoidable contracts be different. That does actually, you can you can restructure. Um, my understanding is you can structure the avoidable year, so Big Ben, someone on avoidable year, um, you know, there. In looking at the cuts post-June 1, which is when you usually get savings, I'm going to label a couple of guys um, in terms of the saving. The, the saving. Sorry, I'll do cut pre, pre-June 1 um, first. But there are some savings that can be had on this Steelers roster um, if we need to if we need to make some money. And that's not just cuts as well. It's actually restructures as well. Um, you know, though, they, they make a big difference. So, yeah, let's, let's go post-June 1. So, Stefan to it. Uh, there's dead money and cap savings there of $9 million. Um, Sorry, there's cap savings to be had of $9 million, both through restructures or... Um, you know, uh, of a cut. Cameron Haywood, you know, you could see his real restructured. Um, Post-June 1, uh, there's cap savings for him of $11 million. You can see a lot of that turning into a signing bonus to create space. Even TJ's deal, you know, Dave brought it up with me on the weekend. You could see a lot of his deal um, turned around to create cap room if they, if they you know, turn a lot of that into signing bonus. The Steelers could easily go ahead and do that. Um, you know, Chris Boswell, there's about $3.265 million, uh, to be saved with him. Cutting Eric Ebron, which I think they will do at this rate. Um, dead money of nine. Hundred seventy-six thousand um, cap savings of almost three million by cutting Zach Banner. You can find five million dollars. I think they're going to do that. I think they're stupid if they don't because half of that is enough to probably um, re-sign Chuk to core for Derek Watt. Now a lot of people think he stays, um, and he obviously had the great fourth and one this week. Um, they think he stays because of TJ Watt, uh, but I. I see Patrick Ricard available, and I think the Steelers should get after him if they can. I know Derek Watt does a lot on special teams. Maybe have both. I, I suggested they, a scenario where that they could do that um, in the BTC Slack channel only in the last 24 hours. Um, but there's still there's 2.75 million there. Again, could they do a restructure? Um, Juju's avoidable contract. He's technically off contract. Um, there, they can do some things, I think, with that. Uh, his cap number is five million, but I think they can spread that out. So, again, this couple million they can at least get there. Mason Rudolph, um, I don't think they're going to do anything there, but if someone wanted him or they drafted someone really good or he wanted out or whatever it is, um, restructure even, uh, there's three million you can save on him. You can save nine million on Joe Schobert. So, I think there's either a restructure coming for him, a team friendly deal, or he's going. Um, but that would only have about half a million in dead cap savings. So that's another 9 million there. Cameron Sutton is four and a half million's worth of saving post June 1. So you could look at how you restructure that um, as well if they need to. Uh, Chris Wormley, 2.3 million. Uh, Joe Haig, 2.6 million um, with an only dead cap hit of 500 grand. So when you really look at that, Yes, there's 42 million. There's probably more like 65 million or so on the table right now. 
um, you know, for the Steelers if they if they're smart with this cap. Uh, so that that's probably the key thing that I'd be looking at as they're going. But they need to be smart about how they spend it. You know, the Steelers will also look and say, who do we want? Who's available? What do we need this money for? So that's the other thing just to really keep in mind. Um, you know, as we go through that offseason, I don't want to start talking about offseason too much, um, but I did want to just give you an idea of where that cap is kind of sitting um, at the moment. And the other thing, I, I was going back through some emails and I predicted on this show, TJ Watt having a contract of average of about 28.8 million. Uh, it's quite interesting. Next year, his cap number will be 31 million, 31.1. Um, then it'll be 27.1. Then it'll be 28.1. Then 28.1 over the next sort of four seasons. You actually do that, it kind of averages out at 28.8. So I'll take the win there. I don't think we ever really got to cover that, but I just it popped up in one of the emails I was looking up and I was like, oh, wow, it was actually pretty on for that. Um, but if, as I say, his pro rata bonus, the way that's structured, um, you can see that moved around and you can easily see them having voidable years or doing different sorts of restructures. So um, look out potentially for how they might play with TJ Watt's contract um, there. And obviously all the numbers I've just quoted are from over the cap as always. But as I said, um, look for how uh, TJ's contract might actually give the Steelers some room to do things. The Steelers are smart. They factored this into that contract as well. And so finally, I just thought, you know, I haven't previewed any draft pick players today, um, you know, from that perspective. I did want to go back and say there's a lot of new people to the platform. There's not a lot of new people to the shows. Um, rolling back chronologically, if you want to hear from some of the guys that I've previewed so far, some of these guys have come up again in some of the pre-draft stuff. But, um, you know, we did Darian Kendrick, being the cornerback out of Georgia last week. The week before that, we did Devontae Wyatt, defensive tackle out of Georgia. On our December 16th show, we I looked at the Reese's Senior Bowl and some players to watch there. So as that comes up, um, you might want to revisit that show and some thoughts there. I'll review the Reese's Senior Bowl once that happens. On the 25th of November my show, we looked at four inside linebackers, Devin Lloyd out of Utah. We looked at Jack Sanborn out of Wisconsin. We looked at Jack Sendelback out of East Washington uh, and Joel DeBlanco out of Cincinnati. Um, I think Joel DeBunco is not necessarily eligible this year if my memory serves me correctly. But I really compared some different names, some known names and some guys, um, a guy that potentially might, some might say underperformed in Jack Sanborn and two other guys that are no names um, for a lot of people. But that doesn't mean they're no names to the Steelers. Well, on 18th of November, I looked at Anthony Cook, um, a Texas cornerback who I think could be helpful in the slot. Um, Texas is my team, so I wanted to look at him. Uh, and then I also looked at Roger McCreary from Auburn, who whilst he's a little bit short, uh, he's getting a lot of draft notoriety, great in coverage, um, one of the best cornerbacks in this draft, you know, NFL ready. Um, so it's interesting to talk about those two together. 